0: We're excited that you're here. Welcome to part two of a series we're calling Lost in Transition. If you haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Pastor Josh. And uh, so excited that you're here today and uh, excited for those that have been joining us online as well. Come on, y'all give it up for those who have joined us online. We're so glad, excited for them. I'd be thankful for that when you're gone. Anybody grateful for that? I'm so grateful for that. And uh, man, I wanna encourage you as well to, uh, one of the great ways to let people know that you're in church is to check in on Facebook. So we'd love for you to check in and let people know that you're here. We've had so many people come and be a part of our church because they've seen their friends checking in to be a part of uh, our church, and so we'd love to have you be a part of that. But if you do have some notes, why don't you go ahead and pull those out. We're going to jump in today to this series called Lost in Transition. We're in kind of week two of this series. I'll catch you up a little bit to what last week was, and we'll jump right in today of this idea that all of us are in transition. How many know everybody in this room is in some transition in whatsoever in their life? Uh, We have body transition. I mean, our bodies are always in transition. Anybody getting older and you're starting to feel it now? Y'all say things like, man, I'm getting old. Okay, that's, you know what that is? Transition. That's transition. You couldn't do what you used to be able to do. You got through a transition that's going on. Mentally, we're going through transitions. We're growing. Our children are going through transitions. I mean, we're about to transition in from summer into less, a little bit less summer. Come on. I mean, no, that's, isn't this the truth in Louisiana? you ever get escape summer. It's always summer. It could be Christmas and you're going through summer. So we're going through transition there. We're like seasonally, we're about to go into a transition and we're going from summer to school. School's about to start in a couple of weeks. Come on, parents. Any parents excited? <laughs> Kids are like, no. Okay. Parents are excited. We're going into that transition. But all of us are in some kind of transition, whether it's, you know, new job, new baby, new relationships. Um, new, new house, new something. Uh, maybe you're going through a hard transition. You're going through a transition where it hasn't been a good season. Maybe you lost someone that you love. Maybe you got a diagnosis you didn't expect. Maybe you lost a job. Um, and, and so all of us in here are going through some kind of transition. Our bodies go through trans- transitions. We seasonally go through transitions. The reason why we called this series Lost in Transition is because when we go through transitions in life, God doesn't want you to get lost in it. And and I feel like as as your pastor, one of my roles is to be a tour guide, um, to kind of help you, guide you through your life transitions, that wherever you are, wherever you find yourself right now, to say, hey, this is the way that you should go here. Take some steps to go this way. So we've been talking about the story of Abram. Last week, we shared the story of Abram, and uh, many of you know him as Abraham, Uh, He was the father of many nations, we know. If you know the story of Abraham, um, he was the father. He had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Okay, and so, right arm. And how many grew up in church? You sang that song. Come on, four of you. Okay, no wonder it didn't land. What are you talking about? This guy's weird. Um, It's a song. You can go and OSC kids. You'll learn it. Um, And so, I want, to, I want us to go to Genesis 12. Genesis 12 is actually where we were last week. We're going to read that. I'll catch you up to it. Then we're going to jump into Genesis 15, 16. We're going to see the actual transition that God brought Abram through. And I love, I don't know about y'all, I love that, th- that God was not shy to share stories with us of men and women that are in Scripture that had like real life experiences. And so Genesis chapter 12 is a real life experience that, mo- uh, that Abram has with the Lord. It says this, so the Lord has said to Abraham, leave your native country, leave your relatives, leave your father's family, go to the land that I'm going to show you, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Okay, so remember that. I'm going to make you into a great nation, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you famous, and you're going to be a blessing to others. He says, I'm going to bless those who bless you, and I'm going to curse those who treat you with contempt. How many of you are glad that God curses those people who curse you? Amen. Three of y'all? Okay, all right. So <laughs> y'all like, I don't even need God to curse them. I got that. <laughs> all right, don't do that anymore. Um, God's got it. It says, I'm going to curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And so Abram departed. Okay, so he obeys God. He takes the leap. He, he goes as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Now here's, here's where we get Abraham. Well, does everybody help me with that? Abraham was how old? That was pathetic. Okay, so Abraham was how old? There we go. Much better. He was 75 years old when he left. Heron, so I want you to imagine with me just for a moment what's going on here. So Mo, uh, Abram is, is settled. He's in a good house. He's got a great wife. He's 75 years old. He's got, we know he's got a lot of money because if you read the story of Abram, he's a very wealthy man. And here it goes. God interrupts his, his comfortable place. How many of y'all like comfort? Anybody in here like comfortable place? How many of you have like a comfortable chair? You got a comfortable spot? Your kids are in your chair. You tell them to get out of your chair because that's your chair. You pay the bills. Get out. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so I got that same thing. Okay, we, got, we like comfort. We're creatures of comfort. And yet, following Christ has, has been about us getting out of comfort. And so this has been a season. God's telling Abram, it's time to go. You're going to leave. Um, and two things are going to happen. One, I'm going to give you a new place to stay. I'm going to give you a new house, new land, new everything. The other thing is I'm going to make you... Into a great nation. So two promises. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to give you a new place to stay. Well, he's 75. Abraham obeys. He trusts the Lord. He steps out in that transition, and he gets to the place that God has called him. So one promise gets fulfilled. He gets the land, gets the new house, gets the new stuff. Everything's good. The problem, though, is only one side of the promise is fulfilled, not the second. The second one that's missing is, I'm going to make you a father of great nations, now, I want you to imagine this for a minute with me. Okay, I, get, I always kind of put myself into the stories here. Okay, God tells them, he promises them, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And so I'm thinking, okay, you know what? I get out of this, go to Sarah, say, hey, listen, God told us we're going to leave. He's going to find us a place. So they leave. They find the place. They settle down. And now he's like, okay, now I need a great nation. So you can imagine that night around the bonfire, you know, he's getting around with Sarah and be like, hey, you want to make a nation? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> Y'all get that in a minute. Okay, so. How <laughs> I many you know? He's been trying to make a nation for a while, and it hasn't been happening. And here we are. Uh, we fast forward in Genesis chapter 15. We'll get there in just a minute. And he's been trying to make a nation with Sarah. They're five years in, no nation, not even a son. Nevertheless, a nation, not even a son. And here we are in this moment where he's getting a bit frustrated, Anybody in this room ever been in a place where, like, you felt like you were stepping out and doing what God called you to do, and you stepped out and you took that step, and now you're wondering, God, where are you at? God, where are you in the midst of this? Like, I took a step. We took a step and leap in our finances, and where are you? Where are you in my family? Where are you? God, it's almost like God's sleeping. I heard you in chapter 12. I'm five years in. I've done what you told me to do, and now you're quiet and I don't hear you. What's going on? And I think all of us can find ourselves in those situations where we're making the transition to do what God's told us to do, but it just seems like God's nowhere to be found. And if we're all very, very, very honest in this place, I think a lot of us love starting things. All of us love finishing things. We hate the in-between. Is this true? Yes. In any of y'all um, have ever built a, like a playground or a playset for your kids? Anybody in here? Okay. So a couple years ago, it was many years ago, my kids were all younger and uh, Lindsey's like, the boys need a play set in the background, you know, with swings and slides and all this. And I was like, yes, you know, it'd be awesome. Let's get it. So, you know, we go to Toys R Us, find a great deal. It's one of those like massive ones. It's got like handlebars and the handlebars, the uh, monkey bars. And it's got, it had handlebars too. Okay. And (laughs) And it had swings and slides and all this stuff. Y'all did, I don't know, I don't know if y'all know this. I'm, I'm cluing y'all in for those that don't have kids. It doesn't come put together. I don't know if y'all knew that or not, I'm just letting y'all know, comes in a big old box. And then you get the box out and it's got 33,422 pieces inside of it. Have, who, who's built one of these demonic things before? Okay, all right, anybody in here? And it's like, like 4,000 pieces of wood and they're all different lengths. You know what I'm talking about, Drew? It's like all different sizes. And you gotta make sure that you get the right size with the right place, because I mean, you get all that up, you know, you're like 347 steps into it, and then you realize on step four, you put the wrong piece there. Like this was me. I was having moments with the Lord while this was going on. I was looking at my wife, cursing her through the window. This is all your fault, this is all you. And, and, and it was exciting, finally, after like a week, it took me to put this whole thing together. It took a long time. And It was so cool when I finally got the boys out there, and they're all excited, and we're swinging, and it's great. I loved the start of the dream of it. I loved when they were swinging on it. I hate it in between. I hated it. Any, any ladies in here have had a, had a child? Like you've, you've gotten pregnant and had a baby before? The beginning's awesome, isn't it? At least for the first one. <laughs> I'm pregnant. We get to like third or fourth, you're like, I'm pregnant. Okay, so, so sorry for the third and fourth children in here, so. But how many you know? Like you're so excited when you find out. For most of us, you're pregnant, and you know you're doing like all these cool Facebook gender reveals now that people are doing, and it's so exciting. And you're seeing all this stuff that's happening, and then we're so excited about the day when we're actually going to have delivery, and you know this baby. It's it's painful, but we know at least the baby's going to be here soon, and we get to cuddle. Come on, how many you know? It sucks in the in between. (laughs) The in between. The, the nine months of just sheer heaven, right? No, not at all. We, we're excited about the beginning, and we're excited about the end. It's the, it's the in-between that gets us. It's the in-between. We love starting school. We love graduation day. It's, oh, yeah, I actually got to go to school in between. Hey, by the way, this is actually how this plays out in your relationship with Jesus, we get really, really excited when we, we surrender our hearts to the Lord and God comes in and he forgives us of sins and he's given us a new creation and we're excited about church. We're in church every weekend and we're excited about reading our Bible and really communing with God. And then we're, we look forward to the day when all this is going to be set right and we get to be in heaven and we get to be with God and streets of gold and be in God's presence and come on, no more taxes, no more pain, no more politics. I mean, all that stuff is gone. And I was so, but how many know it's the in between though? It's like it just starts waning on us. I want you to write this down. Most of life is lived in the in between. Most of life is lived in the in between. It's, it's, it's in this in between season. We start off, we're so excited. But it's in this in-between between between the start and the finish, the completion, that, man, we start getting frustrated. We start getting impatient because it's not happening the way and as fast as we think it should be. Reminds me of the story of a guy who was having a conversation with God and he's like, God, man, what's like a million years to you? And God was like, that's like a second. He's like, oh my God, a second is like a million years to God? That's amazing. And he says, well, God, how much is a million dollars to you then? He said, a million dollars to me is like a penny. And so he says, God, can I have a penny? <laughs> Give me that million. And God goes, in a second. That's funny. Okay, all right. That's... What do we do in the in-between? What do we do in the in-between? I want you to write this first one down. Number one is this. Don't forget God's promises never fail, but God's plans rarely make sense. God's promises never fail, but God's plan rarely ever makes sense. The, the name Abram... And Abraham, do you know what that name actually means? God named Abram, Abram, and his, me, his name means exalted father. Now think about this, how crazy this is. You have stepped out. You've heard the promises of God that you're going to have not only a new land, but you're going you're to be a father of many nations. Your name actually means exalted father. So every time everybody says, Abram, what's up, man? They're saying, what's up, exalted father? With no kids. Him and his lady. And and if you know the story of Abram, he hears from God when he's 75. God actually finally delivers the promise of him having a son when he's 100. 25 years go by before God ever delivers on his promise. Now, here's the question that I want to pose to you. Could God have given Sarah and Abram a baby Right after he told them to step out. And when he stepped out, God could have made her conceive. Yes or no? Yes. God, could God have given them a baby at 76? Yes? 77? 78? Okay, I'm not going all the way to 100. But do you get the picture? At any moment in the 25 years, God could have just said, boom, have a baby. Could have, she could have conceived at any moment. But God waited 25 years. Why? Because this was not about a place. This was about a process. And there was things that needed to happen in Abram and Sarah that the only way it could happen was for them to have to wait for it. And the only way that God was really going to get glory and honor for it was if they waited for it. Because Romans tells us this. Now watch this. This is where I find the Bible funny. So if you don't find the Bible funny, you have not read the Bible. Romans says that God waited For Abram to have a child when his body was as good as dead. Does no one else find that extremely hilarious? That God was like, 75, nope, not dead enough. 80, nope, not dead enough. 90, nope, not dead enough. 100, okay, he's almost dead. Let's give him a baby. Which, by the way, give him a baby at 100 when he's almost dead? God, kill me now. Okay. (laughs) Some of y'all are 40 and like, dear God, please, no, never. (laughs) Never. He's 100. And God says, okay, he's almost dead. Give him a baby. <laughs> this was God's plan. But he never told Abram and Sarah his plan. So here's the big thought. You ready? Understanding God's plan is not what we're trying to do. We're, we don't, we don't want to understand. That's not the goal. Trusting God is the goal. Let me say it. Understanding God is not the goal. Trusting God is the goal. You will never understand God. You will never understand why that person died in your life. For many of us, there's not answers. You may never know why you lost the job. You may, you may not, I don't know. It may be something that we've done. You may never know certain transition things that are in your life. Some things you did not ask for, some things you will never have the answers to. We don't need to have the answers when we can just trust the one who has all the answers. So understanding God is not our goal, trusting him is. Let me give you number two. Don't focus on your reality, focus on God's identity. When you're stuck in the in-between, the in-between season, we cannot focus on the reality of what's going on around us, we've gotta focus on God's identity. This is so important here. Watch what happens in Genesis 15. Okay, here we go. Genesis 15, just to let you know, it's five years later. Abram's not 75 anymore. He's 80 now. And Abram is extremely frustrated with God. And so the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision. He said to him, don't be afraid. That's huge there. Underline that if you don't mind. We'll come back to that in just a minute. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Watch what he tells him, Abram, I'm going to protect you, and your reward will be great. Okay. So, watch what Abram does. Abram replies, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? This is what he's saying God, I don't care about all the money that you're giving me and all the blessings and all the animals and all the great things. If I don't have a son, none of this matters. And so, watch what happens here. So, Abram comes up with a plan. God, I know you got a plan, but hear me out. I think I got a better plan. Here's the plan, God You've given me no children. But Eleazar, who is of Damascus, who's a servant of mine—that's in my household—will inherit all of my wealth. You've given me no descendants. Notice who he's blaming. You've given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants—he's going to be the heir. So here, his here's his plan. God, you're not working fast enough. God, I don't think you got it all together. I've got a guy that's been with me. He's my servant. He's been in my house. I will adopt him. He will become like a son to me. I'll pass down everything to him, and we can do that. Watch what God says. The next verse, verse 4 says, and God says, what's the first word? Say it again. No. Say it louder. No. Say it with some sass. No. Shake your head when you say it. Okay, all right. That's how I figured God would say it. No, your servant's not going to be here. ear. For you're gonna have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and he said to him, and we'll get to that in just a minute. So here's here's what's going on. So I need you to track with me for just a moment. Abraham's got a solution. Use my son, who's not my son, my servant, he's gonna be my son. God says, Ah. He's Simon, that guy. Nope. Not happening. And here's why. Listen to me close. Because God knows that Abram has to have a son. Why? Because Abraham is going to have Isaac. Isaac is gonna have Jacob. And Jacob, through his lineage, is going to have Jesus. No Isaac, no Jesus. So there's no Eleazar that has Jesus come through. He says, no, you've gotta have Isaac in order to have Jesus. Listen to me close, what does that have to do to me? Sometimes God is telling you no because he knows things you don't know. I'll say that again. Sometimes God tells you no because he knows things you don't know. And so he says no, and you're like, no, God, no. This is what I wanted. And then you look in this moment, and you realize that God was actually saving you. Okay, you're not tracking with me, so let me show you here. Any of y'all were like you were in high school? You had like that guy or girl. She was like, yo, boo. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, man, you're like, this is the one. I mean, you're like melted over this person. I'm just like, oh, my God, she's so sweet. You know, it's, it's what you wanted. And you're talking about how awesome it is. And for the girls, they're already replacing their last name and already figuring all this out. And now you look back 15 years later and you're like, thank God that did not happen. Anybody in here? Look back on Facebook and you're like, that was a hero. He's a zero now, you know. The hunk is now a chunk. Okay, so. How I many you look back at things that you thought you wanted and you thought you needed and you're thankful now that God did not give you what you thought you needed? Amen. This is what I'm talking about when we come to this place where God says no. And here's why God says no. You ready? Because God was way more interested in Abram's submission than in his solution. He did not need Abram's solution. He needed Abram's submission. Would Abram say yes to God even when it wasn't his solution? Because we want to bring our solutions to the table. And God goes, I got the solution. I just need your submission. And this is where we find Abram in this moment. So what does God do? Watch. Abram's frustrated with God, which, by the way, is totally fine. He brings it to God. He says, I got a solution. God says, nope, not the solution. Let me tell you what we're going to do. So he takes him outside. Watch. And he says to him, what's the two words? Everybody say it. Look up. Why is he telling them to look up? Because oftentimes when we're in the midst of transition and we're in the midst of the in-between and we're in the midst of where our emotions are all over the place, how I many know we're looking all around? We're scrolling on Facebook on everybody else, but we're realizing that God doesn't want us to look around. He wants us to look up. Amen. God is wanting us to look up in this season. This is where our help comes from. This is what Psalms tells us, look up into the sky. And now he's going to ask them to do something that really he can't even do. What does he tell them to do? Count the stars. Count the stars. If you can. <laughs> I mean you know, God's asking him to do something He knows that he cannot do. Why would God be asking him to do this? Because right before this, when he was telling him about his servant, he had the solution. So God goes, "Oh, okay, you want to do this? Hey, let me give you something simple. Go count the stars. One, two, three, four, five, six. OK, God, I can't do that. You know why? Because God. Knows how many stars there are. God was giving him a sneak peek of if you want to be me, go be me for a minute. Go do that. And then he comes back and he realizes, God, I can't do that. And in this moment, he says, watch what he says. Go look up in the sky, count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you're going to have. This is where he says this. Because oftentimes we want to look around and we look at our our reality. God wants us to see his identity. Notice what God did not do with Abram. God didn't say, hey, let's go outside. Hey, Abram, listen, okay. I'm not gonna let you have a baby until you're 100. What? He doesn't give him any of the details of the plan. None of it. He doesn't give him a schedule. He doesn't say, just hold on. It's coming soon in 20 years. He gives him nothing. What does he give him? God doesn't point Abram to the plan. He points him to the person. So what does he say? Put the verse up uh, at the beginning where he says, the Lord spoke to Abram. Put the one there. What does he tell him? What does he tell him? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to be your reward. So listen to me. When you're going through things in your life right now, and you're so freaked out, can you just hear the Lord, the word of the Lord today? Don't be afraid. Why would God say don't be afraid first? Because where fear ends, faith begins. Where fear ends, faith begins. And God is telling him, listen, don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at your situation. I'm going to protect you. I am your reward. Come on, we're going to trust the Lord. That even when everything, all hell is breaking loose and you get the diagnosis that you never wanted to get and you don't know how it's going to work, you come back to here and you go, God, you told me not to be afraid. You got this. You got this. Where we get freaked out is when we replace God with ourselves because we think we got it. Are you all with me? Okay, so number two is don't focus on your reality. And watch, because he has this moment with God, look at verse six. It says, and Abram believed the Lord. Come on, that's a good person to believe in. And because he believes in the Lord, the Lord counts to him as righteousness because of his what? Because of his faith. Remember, because where fear ends, faith begins. Where fear ends, faith begins. And so this is important for us to understand. So God has this moment with him. He believes, okay, God, all right, we got you. All right, so is everybody with me so far? So Genesis chapter 15, five years have gone by. Abram was frustrated with God. He goes to God, vents with God, creates his plan for God. God says no. He believes God that who God says he is. One chapter later, Ready? Flip the book now. One more, flip the page. Chapter 16. Five more years have gone on. Now Abram's not frustrated with God. Guess who's frustrated with God now? Sarah. The husband dealt with his frustration. Now it's the wife's turn. Sarah is frustrated with God. Now she's going to handle her frustration totally differently. Which, by the way... Anytime you're in transition, anytime you're in the in-between seasons of your life, you're gonna deal with frustration. And there's a right way to deal with it, and there's a wrong way to deal with it. In Genesis 15, Abraham dealt with it the right way. In Genesis 16, she dealt with it the wrong way. Watch what she does. Genesis 16, verse one, now Sarah, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she has an Egyptian. Here we go. Now she's got her solution. Ready? She's got an Egyptian named Hagar. So Sarah says to Abram, Says to who? Says to Abram. Ready? The Lord has prevented me from having children. Let me pause there for a moment. Who is she blaming? The Lord. Lord. Who was Abram blaming? He was actually blaming the Lord as well. Abram said, God, I have an issue with you. You haven't let me have a son. He was blaming the Lord. She was blaming the Lord. But the difference is, ready? This is what you got to hear. The difference is, is that when Abram had an issue and frustrated with God, he went to God. When Sarah was frustrated with God, she didn't go to God, she went to her husband. So ready? Right frustration, wrong person. Right frustration, wrong person. And so I, if there's any lesson we can learn from Abram and Sarah, one of the big lessons that you can learn is it's okay to be frustrated with God. If you've never been frustrated with God, you haven't followed him. Because, man, I get frustrated with God oftentimes because I feel like I'm stepping out, doing what he tells me to do, and all hell's, anybody been there before, you feel like all hell's breaking loose. You're like, God, I love you. You walk out of here and you get a flat tire and you're like, what the heck? car starts breaking down things around you start breaking down and you're like god i'm just trying to love you just trying to serve you god where are you at And you're getting frustrated with god the only difference was instead of him taking his frustration to god she took her frustration to her husband so i'm telling you right now when you are frustrated don't take it to your husband every husband here should have said amen that was your moment right there <laughs> you're like i'm not saying anything take it to me babe that's fine okay <laughs> yeah you're welcome um Don't take it to your spouse. Don't take it to your children. Don't take it to Facebook. Y'all seen frustrated people on Facebook? Yeah, just stay off of that. Listen, take it to the Lord. Because here's what happens in this moment she says something for him to do. So let me give you point three, and then we're going to wrap it up. What do you do in the in between? Number three is don't try to get ahead of God when he isn't moving fast enough for you. Don't try to get ahead of God when he's moving fast enough for you. Watch her solution here. So she says, go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Another version says it this way. Perhaps I can build a family. Ready? This is what she's saying. God, I got this. God, you going too slow. God, I'm gonna figure this out. God, I'm gonna make this happen. God, I do this, and watch what Abram says. Ready? Abram says he agrees to Sarah's proposal. He's like, "Okay, I'll take one for the team. You know, I'm just gonna do my part." Y'all yeah, get that in a little bit there. Okay, so Father of Faith. Chapter 15, yes, God, I believe I'm going to wait for this one. Chapter 16, his wife comes to him frustrated and he goes, okay, fine, let's just, let's just do it our way. And he sleeps with her. He, he takes it into his own hands. She takes it in his own hands. And, and so this is what I wrote down. Just because <coughs> you may not have control does not mean you don't have a choice. Just because you don't have control doesn't mean you don't have a choice. There are some things that are outside of our control. And, you know, I think if you follow Jesus long enough, you start realizing you're not as in control as you think you are. To all the people that are in the house that are like me, man, I love control. I like a plan. I like a system. I like like doing things a certain way. I remember when we were navigating the season that we had with Joel and sitting next to him in a hospital bed and realizing there's nothing I can do in this moment. I'm more out of control than I cared to be because I want to fix it. I want to fix it. God, what can I do? And sometimes God will put you in situations that you can't control to remind you that he's in control. And even though you don't have control, listen, even though you don't have control, you do have a choice. Listen to me. I want everybody looking at me right now. You have a choice to be depressed. You have a choice to live in bitterness. You have a choice to stay angry. You have a choice to, un- to not forgive those around you. You have a choice to stay in the season of life that you're in. You have a choice. But guess what? You also have a choice to have peace and you have a choice to have joy and you have a choice to forgive and you have a choice to walk into the spirit of the Lord. You have a choice, are y'all with me? You have a choice on both sides. You've got a choice. And even though you may not have a choice of what happened to you and that's out of your control, you do have a choice of how you respond to what happened to you. And you can live in bitterness and resentment and frustration all your life. But I'm telling you right now, God's got life and life more abundantly for you no matter what's happened in your life. This is the Lord that we serve. So don't give up on what God wants most for what you want now. Don't give up for what God wants most for you for what you want right now. Because you're gonna have an Ishmael, which is what Hagar had. Which, by the way, if you know the story of Ishmael, well, let me keep reading it. So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as his wife. Now watch this. Okay, we're coming to an end. So everybody stay in. Stay locked in. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. Watch. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. And then Sarah said to Abram, this is your fault. So, are y'all with me? Have y'all tracked this so far? So, just a, just a couple verses ago, she was blaming who? She was blaming God. God, you haven't done this. And now, she asked her husband to sleep with her servant. He slept with her. She got pregnant. And she was like, and now it's your fault. She's like shifting as much blame as she possibly can around as to whose fault this is in this moment. And here's what you learn about God. Ready? Ready? God is so gracious and God is so loving that oftentimes he will let you do things your way and get what you want and then you'll get what you wanted and hate what you got. Are y'all tracking with me? She got what she wanted, which was a son, and then hated what she got. You know why? Because she did it her way, not God's way. And she knew that this wasn't what God wanted. This is just what she wanted. And sometimes because God loves you enough, he'll let you do what you want to do and you go and get the consequences or the rewards of what you think it is that you went and got. And then when you get it, you hate it. You begged God for that job, and God kept saying, no, don't do that, no, don't do that, no, do do that, and you did it anyways, and now you got what you thought you wanted, and now you hate what you got. I see people do this in relationships all the time because they don't want to wait for God's best. They settle for not-so-best, and then they're in relationships and marriages that they absolutely are frustrated with because they said yes too soon when they shouldn't have. It happens all of the time. And so, I finished today's message with this. A moment of patience can save you a lifetime of regret. A moment of patience, in the moment when you just wanna say yes, but you know you shouldn't, that moment of patience can save you this lifetime of regret. And so I wanna end today with, with two, two verses. Psalms 37, verse 7. For all those right now that are in a season of transition, in a season of maybe frustration, in a season of in-between, you're trying to figure things out, let Psalms 37 minister to you today. This is what it says. Be still. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Imagine in this moment if Sarah, in the midst of her frustration, which was legitimate, right? Frustration. But if she would have gone to the Lord, if if chapter 16 would have been a lot like chapter 15, but it wasn't because she didn't go to the Lord with her frustrations, she went to her husband. And they didn't wait patiently. This isn't all on Sarah, by the way. Abraham said yes to it. And they didn't wait patiently for God to act. They, they, They wanted to take it into their own hands. So I'm just telling you, I don't don't know what season you're in right now and I don't know what transition you're going through right now. I know that you're probably in an in-between season because most of life is lived in in in-between. And some of you are about to make a decision Even before you came here, I felt this so strongly this morning that some people were about to make a decision and were making decisions of what's going to happen even after this service. And God in this service is using this message to tell you a moment of patience can save you a lifetime of regret. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't sign those papers. Don't make that call. Don't text that thing. Don't wait on the Lord. Let him speak to you before you respond, before you take the step, before you do what you're about to do. Make sure that you're waiting patiently in the presence of the Lord and go, God, what do you want? Remember, your emotions are going to mess with you. Emotions are high, judgment is low. So, in this season of the in between, we go, God, and I trust you. Now, I know, though, and this is the beauty of the God that we serve is, Abram and Sarah failed. They took matters into their own hands. They had an Ishmael. They shouldn't have had an Ishmael. But here's the beauty of God. You ready? The beauty of God is that 15 years later, God gives them Isaac. He gives them the Isaac. Why would God give them Isaac when they failed the test? You ready? You ready? Because God's a promise keeper. He's a promise keeper. Watch, let me show you. Hebrews says this about Sarah, and then we're closing. We're done. Hebrews says this, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, as good as dead, was enabled to bear children because, here's the reason, because she considered him. Who's him? God. God. She considered God faithful who had made the promise. Why did God come through? Because he's, he's, a, he's a promise keeper. But we see the story of Sarah in here because even though there were decisions that she made, anybody in here, you don't have to raise your hand. I, I, mean, I, know, I know this is a room, probably the majority of us in here have made a decision in frustration that you now regret. You don't have to raise your hand but I know that you've made some decisions that you look back and you regret. Here's, here's the encouragement, ready? I, I want you to walk out of here not depressed. I want you to walk out of here encouraged. Here's the encouragement, ready? If you will release your regrets to the Lord, God can redeem regrets. If you fast forward the story, Ishmael and his, 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 his tribe go into Egypt and they're the ones that Joseph uses to radically save Joseph, and then Joseph from there restores the children of Israel, and then we know from on, you, you begin to progress. It's the story of Jesus. So I'm just here to tell, you, to tell you that even if you are like me and you have done things that you totally regret, that if you will be willing to release those regrets to God, he can redeem even the worst of pain. Because the Bible says that God is, he is, I am. Notice it wasn't I was, and notice it's not I will be. God says, no, I am. Because how many of you know he is the God that is in the valley? He is the God that is in the middle. He is the God that is in, the, in between. He is the God that is in the present. And how many of you know whoever you need present help, how many of you know he's your present help in time of need? This is what he is. And so today we serve a God who specializes in redeeming regrets. And so even if you've had your Ishmael, he can still use that. And so would you just bow your heads in this moment just right here? We're going to close out today, but this is a moment for us just to have a moment with the Lord. If you're here in this place and you're going through a transition season, maybe it's been a frustrating season, maybe it's been a a season where it's been really testing your patience. But you're just in a season right now where you just need the Lord just to come and just minister to you in this, in the in-between. If that's you, would you just shoot your hands up all across this place? No one's looking around. This is just a moment between you and the Lord. If that's you, come on, hands going up all over the place. If that's you, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. So Father, right now, God, I pray for every single person that's in this room. I thank you that you are so intricately involved in their lives. God, you love them. And they're here this morning because you had a divine assignment to encourage them, to strengthen them, and to remind them that you are enough. Don't be afraid, the Lord says. Don't be afraid, the Lord says. I am your shield, says the Lord. I am your refuge, says the Lord. I am your reward, says the Lord. Don't look to your spouse, don't look to your money, don't look to your job, don't look to your kids, don't look to anything else, but look to me. I am faithful. And God, today we celebrate your faithfulness, that even in the midst of our own unfaithfulness, you've been faithful. Even in the midst of our dysfunction, you've been our deliverer. God, even in the midst of our own worries and fears, God, you have been the stable rock. And So today, God, I pray for every person that's in this room that is walking through the season that they're walking through, that you would strengthen them, encourage them, give them grace for the middle. Give them grace in this season. With all heads bowed, you can put your hands down all across this room, but if you're here in this place, And you don't have a relationship with God. That's the number one thing God wants to transition in your life, is a life of self to a life of Him. And the Bible says it's actually extremely easy. John 3 says that if a man wants to see the kingdom of God, he must be born again. This isn't something that we do, this isn't something that we try harder, this isn't something that's anything that's on our end, more so it's what Jesus has already done for us. And if you want to have a relationship with God, it's extremely simple. It's ultimately surrender. We're surrendering our plans, our agendas, our wills and we're submitting ourselves to him and saying, God here, take my pain, take my regrets, Take my sin, take my shame, take my guilt. And we serve a creator who came and he lived a life that you and I couldn't live and he died a death that honestly you and I deserve to die. And he took our shame and our guilt and our sins and our past and our regrets and he bore them on the cross and he rose again from the grave though to give us new life. If you're here in this place and you go, Pastor Josh, I don't have that. My life has not been that. It's been me trying to make myself better. Well, I got good news for you today, and that's you can't try hard enough. There's no priest, no pastor, and no church that can make you right with God. This is simply a moment that you have with the Lord. If you're here in this place and say, I need that, I want that, I want all God has for me, on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand up and say, that's me, one, two, three. If that's you going up all across this room, that's you. One, two, three. Come on, keep your hands up right there where you are. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Praise God. Praise God. You can put your hands down right there where you are. I want want you to say this prayer with me. There's nothing special about this prayer. What's special about this is this you expressing your heart to the Lord. Right there where you are, I want you to mean this with all that you have. I want you to say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross... You took my shame, my guilt, and my sin, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so that I wouldn't have to. And you rose again to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with the Father. Today I turn from my sins and I put my faith in Jesus. From this moment forward, God be my Father, Jesus be my Savior, Holy Spirit be my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen.